The Passover communicated to the Israelites that good or bad, insider and outsider, it didn't matter who you are or where you came from. It didn't matter matter whether you would fall into the oppressor class or the oppressed class. The only way that you found relief from the judgment of God was through the blood of the Lamb. Today we're reflecting on that Good Friday, and I think for many of you, you uh, have to rely on uh, the, the the calendars and the reminders because nobody really knows when Good Friday is going to come, do they? It, it's complicated. Uh, last year, I think we were uh, in the middle of April. Next year, we'll be at the end of March. It keeps moving around. Uh, there's, there's a Latin word for a very complicated computation that goes on to calculate it, and it's complicated for a reason. Uh, it's complicated because it involves Julian calendar, Hebrew calendar, and all trying to tie back to a, uh, a, a date that uh, we associate with Passover. And it's that connection to Passover that I want to consider with you this morning, not only as it points forward to that last meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples, but as it helps us to understand Jesus's final week, and in fact, uh, the uh, pinnacle of of that week that we are looking at today uh, in his death on the cross. Now, in Exodus 12 that we read earlier, uh, you will have noticed that it began talking about dates began uh, mentioning for us that, uh, that Passover was to be the beginning of uh, a new year. And it's interesting because right at creation, God laid down a pattern for how the week would, would play out. He, he specified with great detail, there are going to be these six days, and then there's a seventh, and the seventh day God rested. And he went into detail about the week, but it wasn't until thousands of years later that God spelled out when he wanted them to mark the beginning of a year. And he wanted them to mark the beginning of the year. He waited until his deliverance, until it was uh, this monumentous uh, celebration that we come to know as uh, Passover. He was hard-coding right into the message of their calendar so that every year as they were to think of their lives and to schedule all of the things that would take place, they would know it always begins with God's deliverance. It always starts with Passover. The year has to begin at, in reference to how God rescued us from uh, the judgment that we would have otherwise suffered. And so the message was that God's salvation is a new start. It's a new beginning. It's a new hope. And it is one of the reasons why we are celebrating the way that we are right now, because it it is still all of those things for us. Now, there are three dates in particular that are spelled out in the Old Testament that are are made clear for us to try to understand something about them. uh, That first month came to be known as Nisan. Uh, And Nisan 10, 14, and 15 were the ones that were specified. It was on the 10th that the the lamb would be chosen. 
And then there were an, a number of days it was, it was examined. That lamb had to be perfect. It had to be without blemish, without spot. And so there were these days where it would, it would have been uh, inspected and to make sure that you have a perfect lamb. Then on the 14th of Nisan, that lamb was sacrificed. And uh, that, that sacrifice of the lamb took place late towards the end of the day. And in Jewish reckoning, you begin at nightfall. Your day begins at nightfall, and it continues through the morning, through the rest of the day. And it's at nightfall on the following day that you start a new day. So on that Nisan 14, it was just before nightfall at twilight, the lambs were sacrificed. And then following that, just at the beginning of Nisan 15, just a little while later, uh, they would then celebrate uh, Passover. It is curious that God would be so precise about these three particular dates. And as you look in the Old Testament, you think, well, what, why, why is God singling out those dates? Why mark them out with such uh, clarity? Uh, but later that will become clear. It's also curious about how the meal was so rushed. Everything about it, everything about this Passover meal is designed for speed. Uh, if, if uh, you were to want to maybe celebrate uh, a, a very simple, crude form of Passover this year, um, there are many, many uh, developed uh, traditions. There are many things that have come uh, to be a part of the symbolism of Passover. But one of the, one of the things that you could do, just very simple, you could um, get the family in the car had to, uh, to get some fast food at a drive-thru and eat it with the car running. That, that, would, that would capture some of the feeling of Passover because it was a meal to be eaten, as, it's, as we read, in haste. Um, but it wasn't just that the meal was to be eaten in haste. Everything about the meal was designed for speed. So it specified you couldn't, uh, you couldn't boil the lamb. You had to roast the lamb so that you didn't have any pots to clean up afterwards. It was uh, a, a meal that you had to be ready to leave and head out quickly. Uh, the, the meal was uh, also to, to involve unleavened bread because you didn't have the time to let the bread rise. This was, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't time for this. You had to eat quickly. This had to be ready for, uh, for speed. It was the, also the only meal that you were able to eat with your shoes on. And this, kids, this may be another tradition you want to uh, bring to your own family meals this afternoon. Um, you can eat with your feet on, with your shoes on, and you can say, you know, I'm doing it because of the Passover. This is what, you know. Uh, anyway, that's, that's part of it. It was part of it because it was designed for speed. You were designed uh, with, with that sense of, of uh, a rush, of haste in mind. And those rules came to be relaxed over time. And, uh, and, and so uh, some of that uh, message got lost, but it was an important message. And that message was that you were going to be spared from God's judgment through the Passover if you were ready to leave. If, if and in that sense, your bags were packed and you were, uh, had your one eye towards the promised land and you weren't looking back to Egypt. That, that was a part of the symbolism of, of the speed. And you can imagine that there were plenty of Israelites who would have felt that 
a little bit of a little bit torn, right? Um, as they gathered to se- to celebrate the Passover meal, you could see that many of them might have been thinking, "I think maybe Pharaoh has learned his lesson. You know, those nine plagues have already taken place. Um, it, it, we kind of like Egypt. We, the the Israelites had been there for four hundred years, and yes, they wanted life to be better." They wanted more comfortable circumstances, but who wants to leave? You can imagine as they're eating that meal, there's some people that are thinking, you know what, we just renovated the kitchen. The the Nile is amazing. You know, the the pyramids are really cool. And and you could see some people would be torn, wanting to stay, just, just wanting Pharaoh to kind of dial it down a bit, but let us enjoy this place. Let us enjoy this land. And the message was, if your pa- bags aren't packed at the door, if your suitcase isn't ready, if you're not ready to pick up and leave this place, then you will not receive the pardon from uh, the judgment that God will bring. Now, the thing that most people know about Passover is the lamb. It, it, the lamb was the, the centerpiece of this meal. In fact, it had to be one lamb, not two or three. Did you notice that as we were reading through the prescriptions from Exodus 12? It always had to be one lamb. It didn't matter how many children you had in your household. It didn't matter how hungry everyone. It didn't matter if you had a bunch of teenagers that just wanted to eat like crazy. There could be one lamb, not two, not three. And those prescriptions were were very clear. So the blood of the lamb, as you know, was poured out. Uh, That that lamb, uh, that blood was then uh, put onto the the frame of the door, um, both sides and on top. And it was only those who would trust in the pardon that would come through the blood of the lamb that would receive God's deliverance. And again, you can see that many people would have been tempted to think, you know, this is a nice meal and everything, but I don't think we need to bother with the blood thing. Like the whole idea of, of painting on the doorframe, that's, that's just, that can only help but, but lower the property value if we're going to try and get a sale if we're, when we're moving out of here. This can't be good for us. You can also see how many people would have thought it's just unnecessary. They've already been through nine plagues, and guess what? The Israelites were spared from every one of them. It would have been easy for them to say, we're Jewish. We don't need to do this. We'll be spared. We're God's people. And yet, that was not how Passover worked. It was only those who would put their trust in the blood of the Lamb. It was only those who were spared, only those who were pardoned. Uh, You can also see that there are other people who would have concluded, there are good people and bad people in this world. Surely, the slave masters, they're the bad people. They're the ones that are going to get God's judgment, not us. We're the good people. We're the oppressed people. We're the victims in all this. What do we need to be worried about blood on doorposts? And yet, again, that's not how Passover worked. The Passover communicated to the Israelites that good or bad, insider and outsider, it didn't matter who you are or where you came from, it didn't matter matter whether you 
can, would fall into the oppressor class or the oppressed class, the only way that you found re- relief from the judgment of God was through the blood of the lamb. And they would have to put their trust in, in that blood, in that blood sacrifice that they might be spared from what uh, God was about to do. And all through, through that, he's communicating to us Salvation is only for those who will trust in the blood of the Lamb. Now, as, as we, we put all of those things in our mind by way of background, now we fast forward and we try to see how Moses might have understood or perceived what was going on with Jesus and his Passover. And there was, there was lots that Moses would have been uh, surprised and shocked by. Uh, the first shock would have come through the timing. Now, Jesus and his disciples were obviously, they were very familiar with the timing of Passover. And yet, uh, as they gathered in the upper room to celebrate the Passover, they did so on Nisan 14, not Nisan 15, the way everybody else in, the, in Jerusalem would have. They celebrated Passover a day early. Now, that year, Nisan 14 began at nightfall on Thursday, uh, on that Thursday evening, and it continued through the night and all day on that Friday. But given how clear the prescriptions had been in Exodus 12, Moses would have shook his head and thought, what on earth are they doing? They've got this wrong. It's it's a day early. What's going on there? And, And the disciples, too, must have had some sense of, uh, of, like, this is all very strange, Jesus. What, why, why this timing? Uh, the second shock would have been the words. Uh, with the Passover, it is not just a meal. It is a meal intended to communicate something, to hand down traditions, and to make clear what is happening with, uh, with uh, uh, understanding God's salvation. And so when you have a Passover meal, whether in a Jewish home today or in uh, Moses' day or with Jesus and the disciples, uh, the head of the household will have the responsibility of explaining the traditions and there are questions that the children will ask and, and there are answers that are given. And every person in, in this is, is carrying it out, is almost reenacting a play every year. They're, they're taking their parts and describing the traditions, and it's well rehearsed and, uh, and, and repeated every year so that people know the story. Jesus stands up, and he, like the head of any household, would describe the traditions. He would describe why we are doing what these different things mean. But as Moses would have watched, or as the disciples would have sat around that table, their their mouths would go open as they recognize Jesus is going completely off script. We know what you're supposed to say at these moments, and Jesus is saying things completely uh, unlike anything we've ever heard before. When he breaks the bread, instead of talking pointing people back to that exodus from Egypt and describing the uh, deliverance that God had brought on that night through the death of the lamb. Instead, as he breaks the bread, he said, this is my body. 
And then as he takes uh, uh, the cup and uh, is, is supposed to describe, uh, again, the symbolism pointing back to uh, the deliverance from, from Egypt, the, the deliverance that God had brought through the death of a lamb, he instead says, this is my blood, drink it. And, and for a, a Jewish person to be taught, to, to have, sent, have it described to them as blood, and then for them to drink blood, like I've never drank blood in my life. This is something that we're told not to do. We're, we're always to be careful about, about pouring out the blood from any meat. And, and this is all very strange. And, and so there, there are so many things that were uh, a part of that that were, uh, that were shocking to the disciples as they see Jesus redefining the most sacred meal in the entire Jewish calendar, one that was pointing back to the starting point and the foundation of their faith and their understanding of salvation. And as they did that, as they saw that, they saw he is redefining this most sacred celebration in terms of himself. He, he's the center of this. And somehow it is his life, his death, that is being described as the means of our Passover, of our deliverance, of our exodus. Now, Moses probably, although he would have been shocked by those things, he surely would have been most shocked by what, what the menu was for that night. Because as he's reading down through the list of things that they're going to be eating, he's obviously looking for for lamb on the menu. Like, it doesn't matter. It's, got, it's supposed to be roasted, but maybe you're going to boil it, Jesus. You seem to be kind of playing fast with the traditions here, but, but no Passover lamb? Nothing? You can read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's no mention of any lamb being eaten. There's no mention of any lamb being sacrificed. And so as they ate this meal... Disciples are looking around at each other and they're thinking, Did, is he gone vegetarian? Is this like a, is this a dietary thing? Did he just forget? Are, are finances tight? Could we not afford it? What's happening here? They sing a hymn. They go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And all of these questions are still floating around in the disciples' minds. What a strange meal. What was that? And as they are still trying to reflect on all that it means, they're still thinking about what he said about his body and his blood. They're still thinking about why they ate Passover a day early. They're still thinking about why there was no lamb. They're still thinking about all those questions. They go out into the garden, and after this time of intense prayer, Jesus is arrested. And Jesus, later, in, as that day, Nisan 14, is progressing, as that day continues on, Jesus is arrested. He is tried. At uh, around 9 o'clock in the morning, Jesus is crucified. He hangs on the cross until about 3 in the afternoon. Six long, grueling hours. 
And, and it is at, at, at that time that they are they're trying to make, make sense of it all. As they're trying to make sense of it all, they see him on the cross that I believe many of the, the, the details of that night, as they are trying to ask themselves these questions, they are beginning to put things together. They think back in their minds as they reflect on, on that strange menu, item, menu that was missing and, and faulty in, in, in that sense. And they would remember John the Baptist's words in John 1.29, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and they, would, they would remember how Jesus had entered Jerusalem on that previous Sunday, the very day when tens of thousands of lambs would have been led from uh, pastures, uh, from the surrounding area, when the, at the very time when they would have been led into Jerusalem in preparation for the slaughter, in preparation for Nisan 10 on the following day. That very day when those lambs, having come into Jerusalem, would then be led into the temple for, for them to be selected by Jewish families. It was on that very day, Nisan 10, the Monday of Passion Week, when Jesus entered the temple. And what happened when Jesus entered the temple, but he was examined, he was tested they were seeing whether this lamb that God had provided was in fact sinless, whether he was in fact the one who was promised to come. They would still be reflecting on that and they would see his death now on Nisan 14, the day of preparation, the very day when again, tens of thousands of lambs would be slaughtered in preparation for Passover, they would see Jesus on that cross and recognize he is the Passover lamb. He was the one. The reason that he was, miss, was missing wasn't because he forgot something. It was because he was our Passover. He was at that table with us, and we didn't even recognize him. We didn't realize but they came to, in the days following Jesus' sacrifice, thousands trusted in Jesus as their Passover lamb. They trusted in him for forgiveness. They looked to him as their Lord. They put their trust and faith in him and declared him as their deliverer. He was what the tra tradition had been pointing to and preparing them for. And you can see how, in that sense, how powerful traditions can be. How over hundreds of years, God had been preparing for this day and he would preserved this and prepared a people through the tradition. And as powerful as traditions can be, you can also see how people can get lost in them. How people can take a tradition and... And, and miss what the tradition is pointing to. Miss the point of the tradition. In Jesus' day, there were many people who just loved the Passover tradition. They loved the familiarity of it. They, they loved the lamb. They loved, they loved the, 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 the bitter herbs and, 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 and the unleavened bread. They loved reenacting all of the questions and the answers, and they loved going through and reenacting this special time. 
that was a special time for, for many in Israel. But there were some who'd stopped thinking about what it pointed to. There were some for whom the tradition had just become a tradition. It was something that they just did. And so when the true Passover lamb came to die for their sins and to deliver them once and for all, there are many that missed it. Lost in the tradition, lost in what God was seeking to accomplish in their midst. And I think we need to be careful of doing the same thing in our own lives, even this morning. Chances are, you're here this morning because you like Good Friday. You're here because you always celebrate Good Friday. You celebrated Good Friday last year and the, last, the year before that. Or maybe you're saying, oh, I'm celebrating it this year because the pandemic, I, just, I couldn't celebrate it the way I wanted it to. And it just feels good to be in church celebrating Good Friday. It's a, it's a, it's a tradition. It's a Christian thing. It's a good thing. It's a religious thing. And that's good. But traditions have a way of having people lost in them. We can love the tradition and lose sight of what the tradition points to. And so let's make sure we haven't missed the message of it. Uh, Let's make sure, for instance, that we get the message about the dates. Next time you're thinking, when on earth is Easter this year? Like, why is it in March or why is it in April? Why, why, can't it, why can't they just agree on one date? Next time you're thinking that about Good Friday or Easter, I want you to remember why it's so confusing. Remember a God who told the Jews they were to reset their calendar with the Passover. That remember that it was a new start. It was a new beginning. This was to mark everything that would happen in the year. Everything that was in, in their lives were to be centered around this new beginning. It was a new hope. It's not, it's not a coincidence that it was at this meal that Jesus announced a new covenant. A new way that God had of relating to his people. It was to be a new beginning, a new hope, a new start, a new foundation for the people of God. And so if you're here thinking, I'm I'm just adding a little bit of Jesus to my life, and that's that's great, then then don't do that. (laughs) Don't, Don't miss the message of this. This is not about adding a little bit of Jesus to your life. It is about starting over with Jesus and his deliverance in the center. It's a new beginning. It's a new, a new life, a new start, or it's, it's something other than Jesus had intended for us. Now that new start is only possible for people who have their bags packed for the promised land. It, it's only a new start for people who eat with their sandals on, who who don't have time for dishes because the, the, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to roast this meal because I'm ready to leave. I have my eyes on the promised land and what's to come. That means you're willing to give up the things of this world that aren't compatible with the new life Jesus calls us to. So, is there something? 
holding you back, weighing you down? Is there something where when Jesus calls you to the promised land, you're thinking, yeah, but I kind of got this thing on the side that feels so good. That's, that's not the way of being spared from God's judgment. There are plenty of people who will celebrate Good Friday this year, and they will assume that God forgives them because they celebrated Good Friday this year. Because they did all the religious stuff. They, they, they got the holidays right. They, they may be like, like the Jews. They, they maybe have their own rules about what they're going to eat and what they won't eat and, and how it's all going to work. And, and, and they're thinking, that's the way God's going to save me. That's why I'm acceptable to him. There, there are people that will assume that God will forgive them because, hey, just like the Israelites did with those nine plagues, he's saved us so far. He hasn't done anything bad. I haven't been struck by a lightning yet, so I think God must be smiling on me. And we make those calculations, right? We do those kinds of things. There are people who assume that God will forgive them because surely God's judgment is for like the really bad people, like slave masters and stuff, those oppressors. That's not the message of Passover. And it's never God's message in the Bible. The message is always that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The message is always that we are all sinners in need of his deliverance. The message is that there is only one way, one lamb, one means of salvation. And that salvation is for those who put their faith and trust in the blood of the lamb. People who recognize, I need a pardon. I'm not getting in on my, on my best efforts. So is that you? Is that your celebration of Good Friday? Is that your understanding of what we're doing here? Because that, that is God's means of salvation. Do you know that you put your trust in him? Let's look to him in prayer and ask for his blessing on our time. Oh, Father in heaven, Thank you for your incredible plan to rescue us. We've talked a lot about the sacrifice of a lamb this morning. But Jesus' death wasn't just a symbol. Oh, what great love. What great love would drive him to, to the cross to give his life a substitute for sinners. We don't understand that love, but we revel in it this morning. We don't understand that grace, but we thank you for it. Father, show us where we need to start over with him. Help us to let go of the things of this world that keep us from him. And root out the pride that assumes that we're good enough, that we don't need him. For we praise you for the amazing gift of your son. We pray in his name.